James, will you go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs 14, we are starting a new series today, uh, exploring the book of Proverbs topically. So rather than going verse by verse the way we would normally do, uh, we are going to look at a series of topics in a series called Wisdom for Life. And today we want to begin that series by looking at Wisdom for Women. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1. We're going to look at one verse, so if you will stand with me. Reverence of God's Word, page 570 of your pew Bibles. Solomon writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we ask as always, you open our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our ears, our mouth, our hands, our feet, our entire being, body and soul, be transformed by the power of, of Christ. So would you bring your spirit to transform us to be the sort of people you've called us to be, light in a dark world. May I decrease so that you can increase. Name your son, we pray. Amen. See you. Don't you want to know what Solomon means there by that phrase, the wisest of women? It is very clear in Proverbs that, that, that Solomon, although it's primarily written towards young men as they anticipate a life of adulthood, that, that, that when he talks about women, he, he has in mind uh, a goal for, for, to pursue the wisest of women. So our question here today is, what does that phrase mean? What does it mean to be the wisest of women? Sometimes in the Proverbs, you'll, you'll see it described as the virtuous woman or, or the excellent wife or something to that nature. But what does Solomon mean by the wisest of women? What does it look like practically? Remember, the Proverbs are pithy, practical sayings of wisdom meant to put into practice. Well, first thing the wisest of women does is she crowns. She crowns. When people complain about male headship, I find that it is clear that they are unfamiliar with what Scripture actually says about gender or marriage. Men are called to lead their homes. That is very clear in both the Old and the New Testament. The husband is described in the Bible as the head of the household. But Scripture is equally clear the role of women. The man is to be the head the wife is to be the crown of the head. A well-crowned man leads well, loves well, and lives well. The old saying by, uh, that behind every successful man is a strong woman certainly rings true. And as you'll see, and I, I put a lot of these verses in your notes for the sake of time, because we will do, be doing some bouncing around. But Proverbs 12, 4 is, is a very important verse in this, this realm. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. It's interesting, isn't it? That the wisest of women, according to Solomon, does not merely adorn herself, and, and Proverbs, if we had time, explores that issue. She doesn't merely just adorn herself, she adorns her husband. She is a crown of glory for him. And this language is of, of crowning the husband is, is found throughout Proverbs. In fact, and I was, I was studying this this week. I couldn't help but think, like, that is a beautiful imagery. I have no idea what it means, right? You ever, you ever do that, right? Like, I, I love that. That sounds really profound. No idea what it means. 
But if you study what is that, that the other passage that mentions crowning, I think we get a real insight of what it means here. For example, in Proverbs 4, 4 verse 9, it says, Wisdom will place on your head a graceful garland. She will come back to that, the feminization of wisdom. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. It's the same language there, isn't it? Or consider Proverbs 16. Gray hair is a crown of glory. And for once in my life, praise the Lord, that verse is in there, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, some of you dark-haired human beings, I don't want to hear from you. Gray hair, God loves us more than the rest of you, okay? I'm the youngest of three kids and the grayest of three kids. No, my brother is trying to catch up. Uh, much like trying to catch up to me in height. Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained, there it is in the Bible, y'all, from a righteous life. See, we are better than you, right? It's just this way it is. It's right there in the Bible. Or grandparents, think of this, chapter 17, verse 6. Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their father. Notice there the connection between glory and crowning. Honor and crowning, whether it is we're talking about a life lived in wisdom, whether we are talking about a life lived in righteousness or the glory of raising children. So you can go back to chapter 12, an excellent wife, a virtuous wife, the wisest of women are a crown to their husband. You'll notice there in chapter 12, verse 4, that there's this contrast, and that's typical of Proverbs. You usually get the good and the bad, the wise and the fool, the lazy and the hardworking one, right? You, you get this all the time throughout Proverbs, and this verse is no different. On the one hand is the wife who crowns her husband. On the other hand is the wife who brings shame to her husband, and the comparison is important. Such a wife, the excellent wife, brings her husband honor by honoring him. She is gracious and respects him. She supports him and is patient with him. Doing so crowns him. Just as a king without a crown is incomplete, so a husband is incomplete without the crown of his wife. The wisest of wives honor her husband, not like a serf to a king, but like a crown to a king. There is reason why so many people will look at a man and say he clearly is, is, is knocked it out of the park with a wife. There's a reason for that. Have you ever looked at a wife and said, wow, I would have never thought you could get someone like him. That never happens. There's a reason for that. It's that men marry up, women settle. Let's just be honest, right? <laughs> but how a woman strengthens a man is incalculable. Throughout Proverbs, Solomon reminds his son, remember this is, Proverbs is primarily written to a son from a father regarding his life. He reminds his son that loving and marrying a godly woman is a genuine blessing from God that will make him rich beyond wealth. In fact, we could say that there are plenty of rich, powerful people who made poor decisions in their home life and are more miserable than a poor forgotten man who is crowned by a noble wife. In fact, I can prove that in the Bible. Proverbs 18, verse 22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. See, men, if you have gray hair and you have a noble wife, you are truly blessed by God. Likewise, uh, Proverbs 19, 14. House and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife, that comes from the Lord. Proverbs 31.10, I'm sure we know it well, an excellent wife. Who can find one? 
Right, young men? Who can find one? Well, when you do, you'll find she is, her worth is far more than riches. In fact, that, that word there, excellent, you see it there, excellent wife. We, you come back to it over and over in Proverbs. It's, it's an interesting word. I didn't know this. It's a military term. You can translate it strength, might, efficiency, or even army. Can I prove it to you? In Exodus, right? Remember uh, Pharaoh's army? The word for army is the same word used here for excellence. A military wife, a, a excellent wife, an efficient wife, a strong wife, a mighty wife is uh, who can find such a woman? In fact, in, in his commentary, Longhorn notes, quote, the basic meaning of the term is strength and power, and it can be applied to a variety of people, including a warrior, that is someone who is powerful, a functionary, someone who is able, or even a landowner, someone who is wealthy. While this indicates that noble here may not be military per se, the fact that the poem will associate military language, not with men in this passage, but with a woman, suggests that the composer intends the reader to recognize warrior imagery here. In what follows in Proverbs 31, we see a woman who is engaged in the battle of life, dealing with people and winning an advantage for her family. The culture tells women they are only good enough so long as they are like men. And they call this equality. But according to the Bible, equality isn't something you earn. It is something you are given by nature as image bearers of God. It is a gift of creation. Women, particularly wives, need not compete with men, but rather be the crown of your husband, an honor that is greater than being like another guy. Second thing is she invests. She invests. Everyone invests in things they value the most. And as, as many point out, all you have to do is look at both your calendar and your uh, expenditures, and you'll see what exactly it is that you invest in. In Proverbs, there are two things that the wisest of women invest in, at least for our purposes, sake of time, two things worth looking at. The first is her husband. Turn with me quickly to Proverbs 31. You, you know you can't do Mother's Day without reading Proverbs 31, right? Proverbs 31. You'll notice that the husband is referenced several times in this chapter. And remember, again, this is not written to women. It's written to the sort of woman men should pursue. Pursue the wisest of women. Pursue a godly woman. Pursue the, 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 the excellent wife. So the husband is referenced particularly in verse 11, verses 28, 29, so on and so forth. And from his perspective, he holds his wife up high. He honors her. And she's described in verse 10 as the excellent wife. We talked about that term. Verse 11, a trustworthy wife. Verse 12, a respectful wife. Verse 13 to 19 in, in, in description as a hardworking wife. Verse 20, she's described as a generous wife. Verse 23, a proud wife. Verses 25 to 26 is both a strong and wise wife. And in verse 28, a blessed wife. The best summary, I think, comes in verses 11 and 12. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. And then you can skip down to verse 28. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them 
all. You see that she makes an investment in her husband. The center of her life is the vestment of her home, the vestment of her husband. And that leads, secondly, we've already mentioned, she invests in her home. She invests in her home. In partnership with her husband, she secures a place for her home. Proverbs 14.1, again, we saw this, the wisest of, of women builds her house. Or we can even add Proverbs 19, which says a foolish son is ruined to his father and a wife's quarreling is a continuing dripping of rain. House and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. It is clear that she invests in her husband and she invests in her home. And by the way, both are important. What I find that typically happens is a young couple invest each other, and then when children come, the husband is surprised to find that her full investment is now in the kids. That is good, and that is awesome, and that is good. The problem is often that the husband feels like, well, well, well where, where did I fit in this equation? For example, I've always teased my wife about this. We first got married. Our house was littered with wedding photos. You remember this? Remember those days? And then I thought this way it's always going to be. Right? We moved to the parsonage. We're new parents and, and, and everything is, just, is, is the wedding, our marriage. We have kids. And you wouldn't even know we ever got married. <laughs> it's up close uh, pictures of, of their cheeks when they're infants and toes and feet and, and all that sort of stuff. And grandparents holding the babies and strangers holding the babies. And people we haven't talked to in years who came by and want to hold the baby. Pictures of them holding the baby. What you didn't have was pictures of, hey, we got married. You remember that? Give me one picture up on the wall, right? I don't even have to be in it, right? Just you in the wedding gown. We paid a lot for that. A picture would be nice. But the investment of both house and husband are important. In fact, while you're there in Proverbs 31, you see it there, isn't there? In verses 13, 19, and 31, she works with her hands. Verse 14, she works with purpose. Verse 15 and 18, she works long hours. In verse 16, she works with faithfulness. In verse 27, it just says that she works really hard. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idols. She just works. She invests in her home. And so with that said, can, can we finally say that the work of a mother, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or not, is, is, a, is a job that never ends, and it is genuine work. Genuine work. An investment in one's home, an investment of one's husband and family and marriage is a greater investment than one's portfolio or retirements. Invest in your home. Well, I want to skip the, the next point, and, and if you're keeping score in your notes, it's she protects. And the two main points there is she affirms verbally, she loves physically. But I want to move on finally to she, the wisest of women, worships. She worships. The root of everything of the wisest of women is her faith. In fact, we see this in Proverbs 31, verse 30, isn't it? There, near the very end of the book, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Now, what he's not saying is things are bad. We, we, we've done a whole study on beauty before in our study of Genesis. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain. But here's the most important thing. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Amen. Now, what does that mean? Much as it was a mystery to say the wisest of, of, of women, right? What does that exactly mean? What does it mean to fear the Lord? And not just fear the Lord. What does Solomon in the Proverbs mean by fearing the Lord? 
Well, I don't think it's an accident that Proverbs ends by saying that a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised because it begins in a very similar way. And throughout Proverbs, we see essentially the same thing. Remember, we saw this earlier that wisdom was feminized. In fact, uh, Lady Wisdom earlier in the book is a woman who speaks. She speaks wisdom. And, and, and this is where in the Greek, her name is Sophia. And, and so, because uh, Sophia is the Greek word for, for wisdom. So we, we, what we've done is we've given her a name. Her name is Wisdom, Sophia. Well, what you'll find is, is that wisdom in Proverbs is, is, is uh, feminized. So Proverbs 120, wisdom cries out in the streets and the markets, she raises her voice. Proverbs 7, 4, say to wisdom, you are my sister and call insight your intimate friend. Proverbs 8, 1, does, does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? You see that, ladies? You've always known you're the wise one of the family, right? The Bible's right there with you, agreeing with you. Uh, Solomon's like, well, I'm not going to make wisdom a dude and no one will read the book. Okay? It won't be believable. Got to make it a, a woman. And so you begin with Lady Wisdom, personified in, in his philosophical approach, but it ends with Lady Wisdom, who's a real woman who loves her house, she loves her husband, she loves her home. So what does it mean then for a woman to fear the Lord? What does she look like? Let me give you two things again. We'll see what Proverbs has to say about fear and we'll apply it. First of all, it means that she is wise. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You see it there? The beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord, which means there are a lot of smart people with degrees and television shows and best-selling books. They are fools for one simple reason. They do not fear the Lord. But give me a man or a woman who fears the Lord without education, without wealth, without any of that, and they'll change the world. He's done it once. He did it with 12 disciples. Proverbs 19, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is insights. What is the woman who fears the Lord? She is wise. She walks in wisdom because she lives in the fear of the Lord. Secondly, she is righteous. She is righteous. Just as fear is the root of wisdom, so too the fear of the Lord is the root of righteousness. Proverbs 3, 7, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, turn away from evil. The fear of the Lord, chapter 8, is the hatred of evil, pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech. I have It's not real complicated, is it? Do you fear the Lord more than you fear man? Do you fear the Lord more than, you des- than, 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 than your own desire? Fear the Lord and you will pursue righteousness and good. We could keep going. Chapter 15, the fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom. Humility comes before honor. Notice there, now we're applying, not just turning away from evil, we're adding humility is the result of fear of the Lord. He's in control, I'm not, by steadfast love and faithfulness. Iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Notice there, when we fall, we have atonement. That's the beauty of the gospel. But what we also have, is because of the gospel we turn away from the Lord. Isn't that what wisdom is? Righteousness made real. Proverbs 23, 17, let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. And so it ends. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but the woman who fears 
will be praised. Returning to chapter 31, I want you to notice this. Wherein does she set her identity? Well, if you read verses 11 and 28 and 29, you, you would think it is because she is adorned by her husband and children. That's her identity. That's not it. If you read verses 12 to 14, 16, 19, 24, you, you may think her identity is the fact that she's a very gifted entrepreneur. She sells things, makes things, and makes a profit. You may think in verse 15 it's because she's a good cook. You may think in, in verse 20 it's, it's because she's generous with all that she has given. You may think in verses 20, 17 and 25 it's, it's because she is strong and dignified. You may think in verse 21, it's because she provides well for her family. Or verse 22, it's because she is fashionable. There it is, ladies. Verse 23, it's because her husband has a great reputation. Verse 26, maybe because she is wise or kind. You may think it's because she's a hard worker in verse 27. Or because she is beautiful in verse 30. That's not where her identity lies. Her identity lies in the truth. She fears the Lord. And everything else comes from that. Her entrepreneurship, her hard work, her reputation, her love, her kindness, her generosity, her beauty, everything comes from the fact she is wise and she is righteous because she loves the Lord. So who is the wisest of women? In a nutshell, she worships her Savior, honors her husband, loves her children, serves her neighbors, and walks in righteousness. This is why Solomon will say in Proverbs 11, a gracious woman gets and deserves honor. We should make a holiday where we put that into practice. In 1835, French thinker Alex de Tocqueville, I never can pronounce his name. He's French. We don't care, right? Actually, this guy we do care about, very significant what it is he did. He, he toured America. Again, this is early the mid-19th century. Wanted to know what is it that makes America different? What is it that makes America tick? And he pointed out a number of things. You've probably come across his, this, this book before. His conclusion is fascinating. Can I read it to you? Now that I am drawing to the close this work, in which I have spoken of so many important things done by the Americans... To what the singular prosperity and growing strength of that people ought mainly to be attributed. Here it is. The singular thing that attributes why America in the mid-19th century was growing to prosperity and strength. Here it is. Here's his conclusion. To the superiority of their women. Even a Frenchman can get that one right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.